Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That's just, just open it up. Just, what's wrong? Did I say something wrong? Oh, okay. Everybody turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're continuing our study of angels and demons. And this is lesson 10, of course. This semester, we're looking at these spirit beings. They're all over the Bible. They're created to serve God. And man, something happened in eternity past that a main angel who was anointed cherubim rebelled against God, took some other angels with him, and from that point on, there's just been this, this, this spiritual battle that is going on. There was a rebellion, you know. And so what we have is good angels called the holy angels, sometimes called elect angels, uh, and they're serving God and man. But then we have bad angels, which are sometimes called demons uh, or unclean spirits, something like that, and they're opposed to God and man. So you can see that there's a battle. There's angels that are with God, serving God, and actually serving us. And then there are other angels who, are, who, who hate God, who are opposed to God, and hate us. And they want to harm us. So in this study, we started and we looked at the good angels. We talked about how they were created, how they worked with God, how they were with Jesus and, and mankind and everything. Then we turned to the dark side and we saw Satan, the head of the fallen angels. We are seeing who he is and what he does. And when we see that, and then these last, this is the lessons we're going through now, but we have some last lessons. The last two lessons are really going to deal with demons connected with false worship and the occult. And it's everywhere. And let's just say this bottom line. If you're not worshiping the true God, who are you worshiping? Satan. That's what it boils down to. So we're going to see all that. So uh, in this lesson, we're going to talk about how Satan, Satan's plan is he opposes mankind. Now, we need to take this to heart because we have to realize that this is us. Uh, he hates us too, just like he hates God, and he wants to, to he wants to stop us from ever, ever believing, and we want he wants to stop us from ever serving. So as we look at it, we're going to see we're going to go back to the garden for just a little bit. We're going to talk about how he deals with unbelievers and how he deals with believers. So there's a lot there. So let's start with probably the, the, the key of all. What is the most important thing? And that's the, what we call the gospel. Uh, I think I have on your thing Romans one sixteen, where Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. So the gospel, this whole idea of the gospel, this good news, is the power of God that results in salvation to everyone who does what? Believes. Okay, so when we talk about the gospel, we talked about this over and over again. This is not new. I'm just bringing it up at the start of the thing. There is the gospel message. There's the gospel response, and there's the gospel offer. And we have it right there. The gospel message is that Jesus died and rose again, paying for the sins of the world and conquering death. The response is to believe in him, and the offer is he's offering eternal life. So whoever believes in him will never perish, but gets what? Eternal life. This goes back to the greatest verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. God so loved the world, that's who? Everyone, that he gave his son to do what? To die and rise again. That whosoever, that is, anyone who would believe in him. That's the response. It is faith. It is not works. It is not what we do. It is not our faithfulness. It is not any of that. It is God's word. We believe his promise. We take God at his word. He is always able to do whatever he says. So faith is taking God at his word. And so God so loved the world. He gave his only God. Whosoever believe in him will never perish, but have what? Eternal life. And he has a dual thing there. Never what? Perish. What does that mean? Never going to be separated from God, but have what? Eternal life. You will always be with God. That's why this is the greatest message of all time. And so when we think about that, uh, we'll talk about Satan and his false message and all those kind of things. 
Uh, There is so much misinformation out there. You'll read a track and it'll say, say, uh, Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin. And he rose again. And you go, wow. And then they'll get to the to the response, and they'll say, repent of your sin, give your life to Jesus, agree that you will live for him, and all of a sudden they just added works in there. Or sometimes they, they might even say faith, but then when they get to the end of it, it's so confusing you don't understand what they were saying. So, so many people think you have to do good works to be saved. It's amazing, and it's also amazing how many people who believe in Jesus Christ, who understand that he gives eternal life, they don't understand what eternal life is. What is eternal life? Life forever with Jesus Christ cannot end. When do you get it? The moment you believe. And so the people don't understand that. And they'll say, well, you, you could lose it. No, no. Well, I, you could get it, but then you could lose it. Or, well, maybe you never know. You can never know if you get it. Well, the Bible says these things are written to you. Believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life. You don't have to go through life afraid and scared and all that stuff. So here's the question is, why is there so much confusion concerning this gospel message? Well, it's because the devil has a false message. The devil has a false message. And and when you think about it, uh, and I said this, I think, two weeks ago or even last week, when you look at the Bible all the way through, Every time you see salvation messages, and I'm, I'm talking about eternal life salvation messages, it's always faith. You will never find works to gain eternal life. Mosaic law, they did work. Mosaic law wasn't for salvation. Mosaic law wasn't for salvation. They were already believers. This is how they were to live as believers called out from Egypt as the people of God. So when you start looking at that, people get so confused. But the the salvation message is simple. It's just by faith, whoever believes has eternal life. And so people get confused. And and they, you know, they've heard the, I I hate to say it, but they've heard the the confusing message almost all their lives. And and even when you hear the right one over and over again, they still kind of go back, you know, to, well, but don't you always, don't you have to do this? Is it faith alone? In Christ alone for eternal life. Well, so the devil has this false gospel message. He's got a lot of false things. There are two dangers. I'll put this just for fun. There are really two dangers when you start dealing with Satan. First of all, you take him too lightly. You say, he's not there. He's not important. He doesn't have a, a bit. In fact, some people actually say, oh, he doesn't even, there's no such thing as a Satan. There's no such thing as a devil. This is mankind made up something so they could have an enemy. And so some people say that. The second thing, the other, and so taking him too lightly, the other's taking him too seriously and thinking that he does everything. And he, you know, the devil made me do this. And this happened, this caused the devil. Listen, the devil is an angel. He's not God. And, and the battle between God and, and, and Satan is not a battle battle. All God does is speak and it's over. Okay, so whatever Satan is allowed to do now is because God allows him to do that. So there's this balance when you can either take him too lightly or too seriously. We already know from 1 Peter 5, I think it's at the top of your next page. 1 Peter 5, 8 said he's like a roaring lion who, so seeking who he may what? Devour. He wants to kill you. Listen, we've talked about it over and over. You cannot imagine 
how evil Satan is. You can't imagine it. We, we, think, we think we can think of evil stuff, but it's beyond anything we could think about evil. So as we look at Satan tonight, we're going to see he's the prince of the power of the air. He's the ruler of this world. He's the roaring lion. He's the liar and murderer. And he's the fallen anointed cherub. That's who he is. We've been seeing him. And so in this lesson, we're going to look at... Uh, let me, yeah, let's see. Is that what I want to say? Yeah, in this lesson, we're going to see how he attacks both believers and unbelievers... And so when we think about it, there's a plan for the believer and for the unbeliever, how he wants to do it, what he wants to do. And, and so let, let's look at the, the, his plan for unbelievers, okay? And the bottom line, and then we're going to go in more detail in a minute, but the bottom line is all he wants is to keep unbelievers from believing in Jesus for eternal life. Listen, that's the bottom line. It doesn't matter what a person does. It doesn't matter what, what a person does. All Satan cares about is they never hear the message. They never understand the message. They never put the message together. They just don't. And he would rather, him, he would rather a person go to a church every Sunday that never gives the gospel, never teaches the Bible. He would rather them be religious and go there and think that they're doing the right things for God because they're going to church or they're trying to live a good life or they got baptized when they were 12. And they're saying, I think I'm okay. Just like a lot of the Jews when they came to John the Baptist. And he said, they were saying they were descendants of Abraham. He said, that doesn't matter. He can raise up from a tree a descendant of Abraham if he really wants to. It's not, it's not your background. It's not whether you go to church, whether you're a nice person, or whether you're Jewish, or whether you're a Catholic, or whether you're a Protestant. It doesn't matter. And he says, Satan says, as long as they can think they're getting to God some way other than faith in Jesus Christ, that I don't care because they missed it. And, and the closer they can get that looks right, the better it is, because it seems right. Do you all agree with this? That, that's his thing. That's what he does all the time. He doesn't care if you're religious. In fact, if a person's not religious, if a person's sort of messing around and things go wrong, and they start saying, what about God? Maybe there's a true God. And they start searching, God will get them the message. And he doesn't want them to search. He wants them to think they found it already. I, I talked to a person one time, and he, he had gone to Sunday school for 20 23 consecutive years. I had not missed a Sunday school in 23 consecutive years. But when we talked about the gospel, he didn't have a clue of it. He didn't understand. He thought, he said, well, I've been in this church for a long time. I've been a member of this church for a long time. I said, if you were to die, would you go to heaven? I hope so. Why do you think you'd go? Well, I'm faithful. I go to church. I pray. He never mentioned anything about Jesus Christ. And see, that's what's sad. There are going to be a lot of little old ladies been going in some of these churches on Sunday morning. When we're gone, they're going to be looking around and going, why didn't we go? That's a sad, sad thing. What does he do for believers? He wants us to keep us from growing and serving. He, he does not want us to get involved. He wants you to have doubt and discouragement. He wants you to say, uh, is the Bible really? It, it, am I supposed to really live by this? And let me just tell you, I can't. I've tried. You just can't do it. You just can't do it. I've had many people say, well, I tried to. I tried it, but... I can't do it. And so I quit. And before you know it, you've got believers who are discouraged and believers who are saying, I don't know if this is all real or not. I have doubts. I have division. There's division among believers. My, my grandfather got hurt real bad when he, when he was in church. They made fun. And so we don't go to church anymore because all those Christians are all hypocrites. 
I mean, there's just how many of that division and stuff have you heard all your life? All he wants to do is keep you from growing. He did not want you to know your spiritual gifts. He does not want you to plug in. He does not want you to serve in a local body. He does not want you to touch lives for Christ. He doesn't want you to care about it. He just doesn't. You just go through life and do your own thing, and he's fine with that. Because you're never going to stand before Jesus Christ and him say, well done. That's what he wants. He's, it's too late to stop you from having eternal life. But he just wants to stop you from, from growing and serving. And so let's go back just for a little bit to the fall of man. And we've talked about this before. And uh, it's, you can stay right where you are. I'm just going to read back. You remember Genesis <clears throat> where Satan came. And I just want to read this to you. You can just stay there in Second Corinthians but in Genesis chapter 3, when Satan came, he, he, he brought up this point. He caused, when he talked about Adam and Eve, or talked about, basically it was Adam and Isha. She did not have a name yet. I, we just want to say Adam and Eve because we know who they are. But it wasn't until after the fall she got a name. And we've put that in the fall of man, Satan is a liar. And he, what, did he, what did he say? You'll not die. He said to her, uh, can you eat from the tree of the knowledge? No, no, we can't eat it. He says, let me tell you, you'll never die. You'll surely not die. For Satan, for God knows when you eat from it, you will be like God. He told two lies to her. He lied to her and he confused her and he said you won't die. And God, if God would really loved you, why would he hold back from you? And so all of these things he did to her and got her confused. And I always say that he wanted her those two things. Satan's a liar. He wanted her to doubt God's love and doubt God's word. We've seen this over and over again. It's how he deals with you. As an unbeliever, he wants them to doubt that God ever loves them or cares about them, and he wants them to doubt that the Bible is true. As a believer, he wants you to doubt that God wants what's best for you and that God really cares about you, and he loves you with an everlasting love. Let me, let me tell you this. How much does God love you? Let's say one to ten. How much does God love you when you're serving him? Ten. Yeah. You're not serving him. How much does he love you? Ten. To the unbeliever who says, I hate God, how much does God love him? Ten. His love never changes. It never changes. And what Satan wants you to think is that if you sin and you mess up, and even if you confess it, he, does, he stopped loving you. He, he said, I thought you were better than this. I thought I could use you, and now look what you've done. And you say, yeah, God, I really let you down. Does God say, boy, you really let me down? Does God say, I love you with an everlasting, unconditional love? That's a, Satan wants you to doubt his love. And he wants you to say that some of this isn't actually right. I mean, there's some of it, like, like some of these new things, or you know, some of the things that Paul wrote. Well, that's because he was like a chauvinist, and, and Paul, uh, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't for feminine women at all in any way. And so you can't, yeah, that's just culture, and there wasn't any Jonah, and, and you know, and, and, and so all those stories you've always heard, they're just stories. He wants you to believe that. Every word in the Word of God is accurate and true. Everything. Not, not just, Jesus said, jot and tittle. What he meant was, he said, in Hebrew, there's like a letter, like that's an R, okay? That, I'm sorry, that's an R, and that's a D, and that's an H. And, and, and then there's a, there's a, there's a letter that like, it's, it's like that. And it, it's a yod. And so he'd say, every jot or tittle, even the littlest bitty letter, is what's right. And let me tell you, when you study the Bible, you better study it and look at it and realize that it's true and accurate. 
He wants you to doubt it. He wants you to doubt it. And you hear people say, oh, there's the lost books of the Bible. There's no lost books of the Bible. Nobody lost them. They were there. They were never put in the Scripture. So, just you know, you just got to remember, he's a liar. He wants you to doubt God's love. He wants you to doubt God's word. I've always said it this way. If God really loved me, things, these things wouldn't happen. God would give me what I want. God's holding back. That's what Satan said. He told you you can't eat from all the trees. wonder why he won't let you from all the trees. If he really loved you, he'd let you eat from all the trees. He wants you to doubt God's word. The Bible isn't true. Well, some parts might be. Some parts aren't. Do you know that there are people... Archaeologists, anthropologists, smart people who believe for a long time that there never was a King David, that the Bible just made him up. And about 18 years ago, maybe 20 now, they found, they found some stuff and they started digging up and they found a thing that said to David, the king. And they said, I guess there was a David. Well, of course there was because the Bible said it, you idiot. <laughs> Let's face it, right? It, who are you going to believe? The Word of God? Or somebody who's sitting around saying to you, well, we don't know how accurate this is. So be careful. The Bible, that's what Satan's plan is, to doubt all this. God in his grace and mercy has provided a way of salvation for us. And, and now what is Satan doing? Now what's he going to do? Satan is the ruler of the world, seeking to destroy us, stopping man from believing. And so we're looking at, as I put it here, Satan's attack on the unbelievers. That's how we're going to start. So let's talk about it. There are people all over the world. What's the first thing people always say? How about people who've never heard? Let me tell you, we'll talk about it, but do you understand that the Bible says that anyone that seeks God in any way, he'll get the word to them. Anyone, no matter where they are or what they do. He said, in fact, in the book of Acts, he says, people seek him and he's not very far from us. That's what it says. So, I love it. So, let's talk about it. He wants unbelievers to never believe in, in Christ for eternal life. That's the thing. And, and what he wants us to do. So, here, let's talk about what he does. And I've got number one there. And it's 2 Corinthians 4. That's where he should be. The first thing he wants to do. Oh, he has, always has this religious system that looks good. First thing that he says is he blinds the unbeliever. Now, we've got to look at this carefully because some people take this this wrong. He blinds the unbeliever. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses one and four, uh, one through four. He starts off by this, and he says, "Therefore we have this ministry, and we have uh, renounced the wit- uh, the hidden things of shame." And then he says this, "And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing." And he's saying, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. The the gospel is veiled. What does that mean? What does that mean?" Hidden? And he says, as to who? Who is the gospel hidden? To those who are perishing. And then he he goes on and he says, In whose case the God of this world, who's that? Has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Now just remember, we're going to come back to that. He's blinded the minds of the unbelieving. And, and see, we, it's so easy to lose heart. He talks about it in, in that passage about don't lose heart in ministry. First Corinthians says, our labor's not in vain in the Lord. But here's what happens sometimes because we share our faith and the person won't be, they'll just look at us and say, I don't, I don't believe that. What, what's going on? Well, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the, now watch this, of the unbelieving. 
And what this is saying, can you, let's see, uh, don't lose heart. Uh, the God of this age has blinded. And here's what I want you to see. It's hidden. He's veiled to the ones who are perishing. And what this has, the idea is, and I want you to notice something, it's past tense. Satan has blinded, and thus it is veiled to the unbelieving. When a person continues to reject, when a person is unbelieving, and continuing to be an unbeliever, sometimes God allows Satan to veil. Because God ultimately is the source of everything, but here's Satan who can come in and blind people and confuse people. And I'll show you what we mean in just a minute. Now notice this. It didn't say he blinds the eyes so they cannot believe. He is blinding those who have not believed the unbelieving. There is a difference. He's not, Satan can't stop anybody from believing. But if a person is continually unbelieving, it seems from the Scripture that he can veil it. And let's look at the, the parable of the sower. If you remember this, and, and we're going we're gonna to look at the parable of the sower. If you remember the story that the sower went out to sow. What did he do? What's the first thing he threw? He threw it where? On a path, and it was hard, and a bird came and ate it. Then he threw it on some shallow ground and it received immediately grew up and all of a sudden uh, the sun came and it kind of scorched it. And then he threw it in another place and the thorns of the thistles got it and all that. And then he threw it in another good place and it was good soil and it produced 30, 60, 100. Now, the first soil never really got the message because the bird came and ate it up. The second one received the message gladly. That's a believer. But it says they had no root. Listen, many believers aren't rooted and grounded. They're just not. And so kind of faded away. Not, not, not lost salvation, just faded away. Third one, received it, but then got all the worries of the world and the riches of this world, choked them out. That happens all the time. And then finally it hit the good ground, 30, 60, 100. So there were people who not only believed it, but produced. Now the first one never got the message. And notice what the passage says, the parable of the sower. Mark 4, 15. There are those who are beside the road when the word is sown and when they hear immediately, what? Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. They never really got it. He comes and takes it away. This is, I think, the unbelieving ones who have it veiled. And that's what happens. Notice this one. Satan takes it away. He, he blinds. They missed it. Look at this in Luke those beside the road are those who have heard when the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. So the point I want you to see is when people, and this is what's sad, when people continually reject and continually reject, it's possible that they'll be blinded in the, in the, in the tribulation. What about all those people that believe the lie? And they take the mark of the beast. And, and even when God is judging, what do they say? They call God bad names. They, they don't turn to God. And so what you find is sometimes people continually reject. And God, in this, in this thing, Satan comes and takes it away. It kind of, kind of breaks your heart. Uh, if you've ever read the book of Romans in chapters 1, 2, and 3, he says three different times when people do sins and keep doing sins, he gives them over. What he says is, I turn you over to your own actions. You realize that. God loves you. He, you're not a robot. He didn't make you believe in him. You believe in him or not believe in him. And there are many people who are not believing in him. And even when they hear truths and things, they continue to reject. And sometimes he lets them go. 
because God is God. He does not force any person to believe in him. Okay, that, that's a, this is one of the hardest things, and that's why we're moving on to number two. Okay, so here's number two. Oh, they never believe. They never get the message. There are those who are the unbelieving. They're blinded by Satan. The second thing, Satan has a false system and message of salvation. We have heard this how many times when we started this study over and over again, the false message. I remember the book of Galatians in chapter 1, and I'll just read it to you again. I'll just touch on it. What does Paul say? I'm amazed you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace to another gospel. The people in Galatia, he led them to Christ. He came in there and he went to these different cities, and they, one city killed him. And he came back from the dead. I mean, just all kind of stuff. And the message was, believe in Jesus Christ and you get eternal life. And some people came in and said, well, you can talk about believing, but you have to keep the law to be saved. That's a different gospel, isn't it? What could somebody say today you got to do to be saved? Right, follow the Ten Commandments, get baptized, give your life to Jesus, you know, all these kind of things, okay? And so when Paul heard this, he wrote them and he said, wait a minute. This is the message I told you. I am amazed you already deserting him who called you by the grace of God to a different gospel. Which is not really another gospel. There are those who want to disturb you and distort the gospel of Christ. And then what does Paul say? If I or an angel came out of heaven and gave you a different gospel than this one, we'll be accursed. There's only one true message. And Paul was pretty strong about it. And what Satan has is a false message. It is a message that sometimes almost sounds right. But it's a false message and he wants to fool people. And, and it, it, his message is this. And it's the message you hear everywhere. As I said earlier, if you, if you look in the Bible, every place you find, salvation is by faith. If, if you go to the world and you hear the message, it's works. The works message isn't in the Bible. The works message is in the world. Who controls the world? Satan. Just want you to understand that. So we'll, we'll talk about it. Here's the truth. For by grace you've been saved through what? Not of yourselves. It's the not of works. To the man who works, his faith is, his, his uh, works is counted for goodness. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Not by works of righteousness we've done, but according to his mercy does he save us. The great I mean, how many verses can we put up there? How many verses are there just in the Gospel of John that say you're saved by faith? How many? 98. We could put 98 verses there, all from the Gospel of John, that all say you're saved by faith. That seems to kind of rocket it on in there, doesn't it? It's a simple message. We saw it a while ago. You believe that he, he, he died on the cross and rose again, and you put your faith in him for eternal life. So it's beautiful. Uh, Paul said this, Paul, in, second, in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, the message that I proclaim is Christ and Him crucified, that He died and rose again, and whoever believes in Him will never perish but have eternal life. He goes on and talks about the message that he proclaimed is not the wisdom of people, but the power of God. What does the wise man say you have to do to go to heaven? Huh? What, is the wise, what, what does the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of men say you have to do to get to God? Be good. Do works. Yes. It's a false message. It's a false message. Uh, I got it right here. Be good. Repent of your sins. Give your life. Be baptized. Anything added to the gospel is works. The lie is be good and God will love you. 
You can't be good, and he already loves you. Salvation is not by your, what your actions, because you're not good enough. You, how many sins you got to have to be eliminated? One. Okay, well, enough. Let's go to false lifestyle. It's, uh, this is the other thing. He has a false lifestyle. Ephesians 2, 1 and 3, he says, You lived according to the course of the world. And, and it's power. You know, the course of the world is power and money. I mean, that's what it really boils down. Power, money, flesh, those kind of things. You've seen me draw this up many, many times, and here's the problem. And, and this is his whole system. You, we've got a body and a soul and a conscience and a flesh. And that, that's the unbeliever. And, and he's blinding the unbeliever. He's saying to the unbeliever, which this is the soul which relates to the world around us. This is the right and wrong. But you know what he says? That's, you, you can do something wrong long enough and your conscience won't bother you anymore because it's called searing your conscience. Just do something wrong. and Well, don't. But just do something wrong a number of times and pretty soon you say, that doesn't bother me anymore. Huh? Yeah, and so, and then, then you've got this flesh. You've got this pull. And it's there. And this false lifestyle. Let me tell you, sometimes you'll turn on TV and everybody's drinking and jumping around and they're having the most fun. And you say, how do they have that kind of fun? I mean, you know, what is it? And it's all made up. And it's like, I saw the commercial and it says, it doesn't get any better than this, than drinking with your buddies and getting drunk. It just doesn't get any better than this. Let me tell you what, it doesn't get much worse than that. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Uh, I, I remember seeing the commercial and all these girls with these short shorts and they're running into the store to buy all these things of beer to go running out to their... This is a commercial, a beer commercial. And it's like, oh, this is going to be the greatest night of our lives. They're going to be puking all over everywhere and they're going to think it's the greatest night of their life because the world says, this world is fun. Listen, the things of God are fun. There's joy. Uh, there may be happiness in events and circumstances, but joy comes from the Lord. That, so th- this is the, there's a false lifestyle, money, possessions. Uh, you know, the old saying, you know, you, it's, you just got to have things. Uh, there's that saying that says the, the one with the most toys wins. Well, let me tell you what the truth is. The one with the most toys dies. They all die. And guess how much they take with them? Absolutely nothing. You read a class. Who's read Ecclesiastes? What does he say about money and possessions? He says, you work and work and work and work and work and get all this stuff and you die and somebody else takes it. That's exactly what he says. So the world's view, the, the false lifestyle of Satan is it's horrible. It really is. And, and so when you think about it, he lies. He wants you to think maybe he's not real. Or he wants you to think that man really is sovereign, that man decides. Listen, did you decide when you were born? Nah. Did you, did you decide... What color your eyes are? Do you decide how tall you're going to be? <laughs> Think about it. We, we don't control a lot of things. God allows us to have decision-making capacity and live in this fantastic world that he's created even though it's fallen. But we're not sovereign. God's sovereign. Satan wants you to believe that sin really isn't bad. It's natural. And you know one thing about it. It is natural. That's the natural bent to sin. The bent to sin is the flesh. The, oh, it's called the old man. It's called sin within us. Uh, it's called evil within us. Paul said, there's an evil that dwells in me. That is my flesh. And so, there, it is natural. That, but sin is not good. Sin is bad, but it is natural. 
And then last, fulfill our lust. What everybody says, look, look out for yourself. What about your life? What about what you want to do? Have Think of the way. people, huh? Have it, have, it, have it your way. What about the people who've sacrificed their lives to take the message of Jesus Christ to other places? What about the people who've sacrificed their lives to keep this country free so we can meet in a room like this and talk about anything we want to talk about? What about that? And, and we got a whole world that says, you just need to look out for yourself. Let me tell you what you do. What You just read Philippians because we're going to probably study that on Sunday morning after we get through a revelation. Philippians says you need to look out for the other person and not think so highly of yourself because that's what our world is. Our world says, what's in it for me? I just remember Field of Dreams. I love Field of Dreams. I love, this, I love the show. It's, I know it's not biblical or anything. I just like the show. I like it when he sees his daddy because it makes me think of seeing my daddy. But he says to that guy, you know, to, he says, wait a minute, all this whole thing, I've never asked once what's in it for me. I've never asked once what's in it for me. He says, what do you want? He said, I want to know what's in it for me. And that's the way we are. That's the way we are. So that's, that's his lies. Do what you want. You only go around once, right? No, you go around forever. You may go around forever with Jesus Christ, and you may go around forever separated from Jesus Christ. Wow. So what's Satan's plan for the unbeliever? It's really to keep them from believing in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And so he says, he blinds those who do not believe. He has a false message of works. He has a false lifestyle, lifestyle centered on temporal and fleshy, not eternal. Wow. So that's how he deals with unbelievers. And no wonder they have a problem. And let me tell you, we historically have not helped it. Right? Because there's so many believers that either they... they Talk about Christ and then live badly. And people see that and so they say they're just all hypocrites. Or they're so legalistic. and so You can't even get to know them because they look down on people. Instead of saying, we got to love all these people, they say, we're better than all these people. Who did Jesus hang around with? Everybody. The, who did, when the woman at the well, did he get on her? All he said to her, he said, go call your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, well, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the one you're living with, is something wrong? Oh, yeah, give me. All right. That's so good. This one's not writing very well, is it? Thank you. And, and so, uh, what is it? yeah, I can't even read that. Of course, I can't read it when I get right here. <laughs> but, I mean, Jesus said to her, uh, go call your husband. I don't have a husband. He said, that's right. The five husbands you have had, and the one you're living with is not your husband. She went, you're a prophet. He said, I'll give you living water. He didn't say, you better change that lifestyle right now if you want to qualify. Woman caught in adultery? Let's tell that story. They, here's Jesus down there, and they bring this woman, and they say, we caught her in the very act. Well, where's the guy? Right? If she got caught in the act, there had to be somebody else there, right? How come you didn't bring the guy? You know why? Because it was a setup. And so he throws this, they throw this woman down and they say, the law says, Stoner, what are you going to tell us to do? Jesus starts writing on the ground. And they look around and he says, whoever has no sin, throw the first stone. Then he writes. You know what he's writing? We don't know, but you know what I think he's writing? I think he's writing their sins. And I think they look at it. And you know, how did they leave? Do you know how they left? Yeah, why oldest? Because we're old and we know we sin all the time. And some of these young people, they don't think they're doing anything, but the old people go, yeah, that's me, all right. And they left. Who was left? Nobody. What did he say to her? 
who condemns you? And she says, no one. He says, go and sin no more. He didn't say, you're a terrible woman. He didn't say that. He loved everybody. The only people he ever got on, who? The religious leaders, Pharisees, who thought they were better than other people. So when we go out these doors, we're looking for all people and loving them all. So though so he blinds to a false lifestyle. So what about us? What about Satan's plan for believers? And we know it's to keep us from serving. And, and, and just remember this, that Satan is limited. I mean, he's not God. He's not all-powerful. But there is this spiritual battle going on in Ephesians 6. We're in a spiritual battle. Satan wages war. Listen, there is, in this room, we've said it over and over. Uh, how many were at the funeral for Jerry and Patty? Okay. What happened to my mic as soon as I started presenting the gospel message? Started popping. And we had t- took it off and had to hold a man handheld. Why'd that happen? Who do you think didn't want that message proclaimed to 700 people that day? Out of all the times that microphone, how many times have we used it? I used it all the way up to that exact moment and it never made a sound. We're in a spiritual battle. And when you start standing for Jesus Christ, you're in that battle. Satan wages war against us. Where he wants to destroy us. Uh, James talks about wisdom. There's wisdom not from God. There's the wisdom of the world, which is worldly and natural and fleshly. And James talks about it and says, don't love the world. Don't love the wisdom of the world. Don't get into that. We know that, it, and, and let me see, but he's, well, he's always talked about, don't God, uh, doubt God's love, doubt God's word. We've talked about that. Now, let's talk about what he does, okay? And this is on the page where it says, number one, Revelation twelve ten. Here's what he does to us. He accuses us before God. He does. He's called the accuser of the brethren. That's Revelation 12.10. He means a slanderer. He accuses us. Let me tell you what. He could go to God. And he can. He can go to God. He has access to God. You read the book of Job. Now he's going to lose his access to God. When? When when is he going to lose his access to God? Halfway through tribulation. He and Michael are going to have a battle. And Michael's going to kick him out. He will not have access to God after that. Up to this point in time, he can go to God and accuse you. And you know what? He could go to God and accuse me and not lie. But he probably still lies because he's a liar from the beginning. And so he's the accuser of the brothers. He could say we're a sinner. He could say we don't deserve heaven. Let me ask you a question. Are you a sinner? Do you deserve heaven? No, we don't. And Jesus would look at him and say, you're right. I paid for their sins. I died for them. They believe in me. I give them life. They're with me. You're not. Amazing. How do we have help? Do we have help when he accuses us? 1 John 2. Let me just read this to you. You don't have to turn there. But 1 John is an amazing book. It's really hard. It's got a lot of stuff in it. A lot of people take it the wrong way. But it's an amazing book. But 1 John 2 uh, says, My little children, I'm writing these things so that you're not sin. But if anyone sins, what do we have? If we sin, for thir- by the way, it's a third class. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. If anyone sins, we have a what? An advocate. You know what an advocate is? He's a lawyer. Now, a lot of people say, well, I don't like lawyers. I like lawyers. And, I mean, they look good, you know. And so, I mean, and think about it. He's the advocate. The, but listen, Perry, who wants Perry Mason? I do. I mean, he, he, most some of you in this room don't even know who Perry Mason is. Huh? He always wins. Poor Hamilton Burger never won a trial. But anyway, so here, here we, we have an advocate, uh, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. I mean, think about that. And, and how is it he's our advocate? Listen to this. 
And he himself, he's our advocate. Why? Because he is the propitiation, satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. If Satan goes to God and says, J.B. is a liar, that's true, I've lied. Jesus says, sit down. I've already paid for sins. It's done. We have an advocate, a propitiation, a satisfactory, satisfactory payment. So it's so beautiful. Okay? So the, the first thing is that he's the one that's, that's going to accuse us. Every time the devil accuses us, our advocate is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Wow. I mean, that's just out of sight. Okay, now, the second thing, he wants us to rely on our human wisdom and power and operate in the flesh. Listen, as a believer, let me drop this up. You have a human spirit. Oh, wait a minute. I'll get the new one. We have the human spirit and the Holy Spirit inside of us. Satan wants us to live in the flesh. He wants us to be tempted. He wants us to fall. He wants us to walk in the flesh. The Bible says, walk in the spirit and you will not what? Fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're supposed to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, and yet Satan wants us living in the flesh, and that's why all the temptations and all this other stuff, he wants us to do that. Uh, I have right here Matthew 16, one, uh, 21 through 23, and here's a perfect example. Jesus just gets through telling all the disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem, going to be handed over to the Jews, handed to the Jews, they handed over to the Romans, then crucified, and then he says, and three days later I rise from the dead. And Peter said, we're not going to let that happen to you. And what did Jesus say? Get behind me, what? He's saying, you're thinking like this rather than like this. Jesus has to go to the cross. And even Peter was thinking wrong. And it's so easy for all of us in a fallen world to get pulled this way. And, and so we've got to be really, really, really careful. And, and we always say there's, the, the ideal there is there's a pride. We think we're better. We, and this we cause division, 1 Timothy 3, 6. We're occupied with the world and we love the world. That's 1 John, the verses that we quoted a while ago, don't love the world. It's so easy to get pulled into all of that and, uh, and, 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 and get tied up into that. That takes us... To the third thing. Now, this is the one that I see all the time. Okay, this third one. He infiltrates the church. Oh, you need, oh, oh, here, I'll leave it up there for a second. Uh, for, the, for the slower students, I'll leave it up there. <laughs> is that called pride? No, say. So, tell me when you got it. I mean, that's the battle. What does he want you to do? He wants you to think you're better than others. That's why Philippians says, think of others more highly than yourselves. He wants you to think that this world is amazing. And God says, your citizenship is in heaven. You're in the world, but not of the world. You've been sent into the world. We've been seeing all of that in this study. Okay, everybody got it or pretty much close to it? Okay, so here's the third thing. Now, this, this is the one that breaks my heart. Okay, this is the one. Because, I mean, the, other, you know, the one's about relying on human wisdom and, and the accuser. Jesus takes care of the accusing things. Uh, we don't have to do this. We can walk in the Spirit. This is the one that I think destroys so many things. He infiltrates the church. And, and I must tell you, it is there. It is there all the time. And uh, so in Acts chapter 20, verse 17... Paul meets with the elders of the church at Ephesus. Okay, that's what he does. He meets with them to teach them. And in Acts 20, just you can write down what? Meets with the elders of the church at Ephesus. 
And he meets with them and he talks to them and he says this, you've got to be on your guard. It's not, it's not a verse there, but it's 2028 20, uh, in the Bible. He says, be on your guard. And he's telling these leaders of the church, he says, you've got to be really careful because there's stuff out there all the time. You are to oversee the flock. And then he says this, what's the first thing? It's false teachers. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15, where uh, Paul writes and says they come as angels of light. They come, and you know, there are people out there who teach things, and it almost seems right. It seems good. You think, that guy's pretty good. That guy's pretty sharp. And then you start listening closer, and you find out that that person's not saying the right things. And that person's not giving a clear gospel message, and that person's not telling the right things. And so there are false teachers, and the false teachers do what they, they want to do. And, and, and listen, they, they Acts 20, 20, he says, they're wolves. They will come in. False teachers come into the body. Now, let me tell you about our church. We have a, a protection. And what we do is this. When people join our church, and then they want to be involved, and then maybe a person even wants to teach, they have to have the 412 study and the 2-2 study. And they have to agree with what's in those studies. Because that studies teach us the grace message of salvation, how we put the Bible together, and all those things. And we're not going to have somebody coming into the church that's teaching something in this country. I have a really good friend. He's in a church over in a, in a town over by Tulsa. It's a pretty good-sized church. He teaches a Sunday school class there. And he is a grace man like us. And he would tell you, that the teacher next to him does not teach the same message, and the teacher on the other side of him does not teach the same message as this guy, and from the pulpit there is a different message. He says in his church a person could go, and they hear three to four different messages about salvation, some from the pulpit, some from Sunday school. That's not going to happen in our church, because let me tell you, if anybody going to teach in our church, and they start saying something that's contrary, we have a group of men, the elders, that's their responsibility, who will go in and say, you can't teach that. That's wrong. So we, we are, we're, we're in good shape as far as false teachers coming in, okay? And, and he talks about, they, here's the, they deny the master that bought them. Jesus Christ died and paid for the sins of the whole world. There are people out there that says, Jesus didn't die for everybody. Okay? That's Second Peter. You don't have to write all that down. Just, just you could even just put Second Peter two one and deny the master. And then I've got this one right here. First Timothy four one. They teach doctrines of demons. Doctrine of demons. Let me tell you what's being taught now. I'm going to show you something, and I'm not even going to tell you who it is or anything. But there's a thought out there now that Jesus died on the cross, paper, and you can believe in Jesus. That he died for you and rose again and that he's your savior. And then you have to live the Christian life. And this is called justification, which is right. But then you have to live the Christian life and do good works. And if you do enough good works, you come to a final justification. And if you've done enough works, you get to go to heaven. But even though if you've believed in Jesus over here and justified, if you don't do enough good works, you don't get final justification and go to heaven. That's being taught out there. So if you're right here or right here or right here, do you know whether you're going to heaven or not? You never know if you're going to heaven or not. So I'm just telling you, it's all out there. Be very careful who you listen to. Know who you listen to. Know what they believe. Even if you're, if you're going to start listening to somebody on some, because you can listen to everybody all over the world. Be sure you know what, what they say. Okay, then here's the second one. And this is the one that breaks my heart. 
The biggest problem that believers have is disunity and division within the body. Satan causes division in the body. He does it. He, he wants to. He wants to do it. In fact, in Acts 20, did you, all get the, you don't have to write down every word. Just the idea that uh, he, he wants disunity and division in the body. He causes division. Look at this right here. Acts 20 verse 30. He says there will be divisive people raising up. Let me, I want to read this to you. I, I know. I don't want you to have to turn there. He says, I know after my departure, savage wolves will come in, not sparing the flock. Uh, and uh, speak. Okay, who are the savage wolves? The teachers from outside. Now watch this. And from among your own selves... Men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. That's division. What have you heard all your life about churches? That church had a what? Church split. That, oh, these people had, had a big argument because these people believe, you know, and you just, it's, there's always division, and you've got to be really careful. And so in Ephesians 4, he says, listen, when there's division within the body, let me read this to you. This is Ephesians 4, and this is what his idea is there. Ephesians 4, verse 25, he says, Look, therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak the truth with each other. We're members one another. Don't be angry. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give an opportunity for the devil. When people don't get along, it opens the door to have problems and to have opportunity for the devil to come in and cause division within a body. That's what he does. That's what he's looking for. And that's why Paul warned him. He said, look, from outside, there'll be false teachers. From inside, there'll be divisive people. Now, I want to show you something. The biggest issue I have seen in the 43 years that I've been in ministry is division within the body. Rarely ever is it false teaching. In fact, one time I had a guy come to me and he said, you know, you say salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone, and you're saved forever. I said, that's right. He said, I don't believe that. I said, well, and he said, and so I'm leaving. I'm not going to cause trouble. That was great. That was great. But there are hope, and, and that's rare, and I'll be honest with you, it's rare that there's division over, false, uh, over, over doctrine. It's over other things. And uh, uh, the biggest issue I've seen in all my years has been the division in the body over those kind of things. Satan seeks to stop unbelievers from believing in Jesus for eternal life and seeks to stop believers from serving Jesus. And if he can get us off on any tangent, no matter what it is. I remember one, this is a while. I remember one time I was teaching, and I think it was Philippians, and it was on a Sunday night. I was teaching at another place, and I talked about, uh, you know, love one another and forgive one another. And sometimes, and I said, what, like, I said what, what if I'm walking down the hall at the church, and I don't see you, and I don't speak to you? Don't be mad at me. I mean, I might not have seen you. You don't know what the other person is. They, they might have had something on their mind, or they're not about to be looking. And that night, after the service was over, a person came up to me and said, you didn't speak to me this morning. I said, really, I'm so sorry. I just taught on it. It, it. it is so easy for having confusion and division and issues within the body of Christ. It always is. Well, with that in mind, let's talk about some applications, and then we'll get our quiz. And here's the applications. First of all, let's know the plan of Satan. What is this plan? Doubt God's love, doubt God's word. Look, the first moment you start thinking that maybe God's not taking care of you, or maybe things aren't going the way you think they should go, and why is God letting this happen? You've got to remember, you're beginning to doubt his love, and then you start saying, "Is well, maybe this isn't all true, or maybe, maybe that part doesn't apply to me. 
I mean, listen, we got a culture. Let me tell you, you know what a culture is? And this is a culture even among believers. That you don't have to be married to live together. Even though the Bible calls that what? Fornication. And, 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 but, but our whole culture is bought into that. In questions. I mean, so what do they say? Well, I, I kind of know what it says here. But, you know, everybody, everybody does. You know, doubt God's word, doubt God's love. Uh, let's realize that unbelievers are deceived. So what do we have to do? If we're going to deal with unbelievers, what should we do? We should give the clearest gospel we can give. I mean, just tell them, hey, how many verses you got to know to be a clear gospel? How many? What is the verse? John 3.16. Isn't this the greatest thing of all time? We all know this verse. God loved the world, that's us, that He gave His Son to die and rise again, that whoever, anyone, would believe in Him would never perish but have eternal life. There's the message. There's the response. There's the, the offer. You can do it without even having to be scared or nervous or memorizing 27 verses. All you have to do is just say, God loves you. Send His Son. When you believe, He gives you eternal life. He offers you life with Him forever. That's it. Wow. So be clear, right? How many of you have heard a different gospel message than that? In your life? In your whole life? Yeah. Where'd that come from? <laughs> not the, it's not in the Bible. I mean, you can take a Christian life verse that says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, and they can turn that around and say, see, this says work for your salvation, but it doesn't. It's talking to believers, and he's saying, work out who you are. Work out, and this is Christian life salvation called sanctification. And so when people take those verses and make them salvation verses, it always becomes works. Okay, second is pray that God will deal with the unbelievers that the Holy Spirit will convict them. Because remember, if the Holy Spirit convicts them and, and they believe, they have eternal life. But what if Holy Spirit's convicting them and they continue to reject and continue to reject and continue to reject? What could happen? They could be blinded. They could. The third thing is live a life that shows the proper lifestyle. Uh, because you don't want to be, you, you want to be different. You want to be different than the fallen world. You just want to be different. So that's, realize that unbelievers are deceived, and so what are we going to do? Give them a clear gospel, pray, and, and then live, live good before them. The third one is, let's understand that believers are under attack. He's a roaring lion seeking to devour us. And so you've got to know his plan. And I think uh, on that page, let me look, there's some, a few things back there, right? Accuse us, rely on us, rely on ourselves. Uh, have you got this right here? Okay, look at this. He... Here's what he does. He accuses us. Oh, go back. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Once again, for the slower students, we'll go back. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay, let's understand that believers are under attack. He's the lion. He would love to kill you. He'd love to kill you physically if he could. He would love to especially kill you spiritually, emotionally, just tear you to pieces. Know his plan. What's his ultimate plan? Stop you from what? Serving. So know your gifts. Understand, just plug in. And some people say, I don't know my spiritual gifts. Okay, well, just start doing something. And you'll find out pretty quick. You will. Uh, if your gift's not teaching and somebody lets you teach fourth grade boys, you won't teach very long. Let me just tell you, you know, all right? But you'll find what you've got to do. Okay, you all ready for the next one? You all ready? Here we go. Okay, he accuses us. When he accuses us, what do we have? We got the advocate. We got the advocate. It's Jesus Christ. Isn't it wonderful to know that no matter how many times you mess up 
or how many times Satan lies about you that God's love never changes and you have the advocate, Jesus Christ. What could be better than that? Second thing, he wants you to rely on yourself. What do you do? He wants you to not walk in the Spirit. What should we do? Walk in the Spirit. That's it. That's how we have the victory. The third one, there's false teachers. How are you going to know about false teachers? How are you going to know if it's false or not? Because you've got to know the Bible. You've got to be discerning. You've got to know what you believe, uh, know why you believe what you believe. Listen, if I said to you, when you, do you have eternal life and you are eternally secure? What's your answer? Okay, can you go to the Bible and show me that? So many of us can. But we have to be able to. We have to say, if, if, if I believe that salvation is a gift by faith, I need to go to Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I need to have John three sixteen. I need to know these verses. I need to understand it. I need to know what the gospel is. I need to know how... You know, you just got to be able to do that. And when you know what you believe, and you see or hear something that's wrong, what happens? Immediately you go, that's not right. That's not right. And then cause division. Oh, how do we stop people causing division? You forgive. Listen, everybody messes up. People aren't going to speak to you sometimes. They may say something they didn't mean to say, or they may say something they meant to say. The bottom line is this. What are you supposed to do? How many times? Forgive how many times? Over and over and over again. Maintain the unity of the body. That's why he says, remember on Sunday, Sunday morning we said there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father. All that stuff, it's all unity. He says maintain the unity. God made the unity. We have to maintain the unity. That's the hardest one to do. That's the hardest one to do.